0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: How many viral videos have had an impact on you? They either make you laugh or cry. Some may have inspired you. Others questions how you would have reacted in similar situations. I caught one a couple months ago that made me stop, rewind, and watch again. It was a video of a teenage autistic boy with physical disabilities opting to leave his wheelchair behind and try to go for a walk. His name is Brandon and the video taken by his trainer garnered over 6.8 million views on LinkedIn and 150 million combined views on all other forms of social media also through news outlets. His trainer, Daniel Stein, is the man behind Special Strong. This wasn't an overnight miracle. It was years of building up to that moment. was well worth the investment his parents made. Either buy Brandon a new wheelchair or invest in a certain kind of therapy. Special Strong has been instrumental in helping hundreds of clients who live with a variety of conditions which include autism, Asperger's, Down syndrome, ADD, ADHD, spinal cord injuries, cerebral palsy, victims of stroke, and so much more. Based out of Texas, Daniel also created Certify Strong, helping other trainers all around the world to get certified in helping people train with special needs. So welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me. This is really special, and it was interesting. That that video, it had an impact on me. I reached out to you right away, and I said, this is a really cool story.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Even when I watch it, I still get emotional. So um, it truly is amazing what happened
1: are you surprised by the response? I mean, usually you can have a video go viral, you get a couple thousand, maybe, you know, even if you talk in the millions, it's crazy. But this, this really just had so much momentum around it.
0: Yeah, you know, so this is our first video to go viral, and none of it was planned. And we had no idea that it was going to go viral the way it did. And um, to say that I was surprised with the turnout is an understatement. I mean, we've had thousands uh, and thousands of emails phone calls and private messages all across the internet and you know ultimately what this did was number one um, it inspired millions and I mean literally 150 plus million people inspired by something that was truly miraculous um, but what it did for me personally um, was the burden that I've always had to serve the special needs population it grew and uh it grew it grew big and so we're uh you know we're just i consider us a small company here in the texas area you know we we have access to 10 different gyms we've got six trainers we've served over a thousand clients and to me that's pretty small you know we had people from africa from canada from germany and they sent us messages and they said daniel we love what you do we love what you did for brandon But I've got a son, I've got a daughter, and they've got this condition or they've got that condition. What can you do to help us? And it broke my heart to tell them there's nothing that I can do for you. I'm in Texas. You're in Africa. We've got a great certification program. But if you're looking for a trainer to work with your son or daughter, I don't have an answer for you at the moment. And so what it did for me personally is it grew the desire to really scale our company because there is such a big need out there. And frankly, there's really no one else out there doing it. I mean, there's a few other companies in a few select states that work with special needs, but it's very few and far between. It's very sad. And so to answer your question, kind of long-winded, not only did it inspire 150 million people, but it inspired me to want to work with more – to help more people.
1: Absolutely. There was something, though, to it, though, and it was your voice, your encouragement, your passion behind this child. I, I say child. I mean, he's a teenager now, but this was years of investment. And so it was a story that people love to watch, but I don't think we realize how much work went into it in the years prior to, be, to us being able to see that kind of a video that we saw.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. So just a quick back backstory on Brandon. Um, Brandon was born with a genetic mutation. And uh, as he got older, he had a lot of trouble with his hips. And so his parents and the doctors said, hey, we need to do surgery. So they did surgery. And so they did surgery when Brandon was 10 years old. And they said, Brandon, you know, you'll after about six months of therapy, you'll be out of your wheelchair. You'll be able to walk again. No problem. So six months went by, and uh, he never got out of his wheelchair. Um, he was never physically able to. Uh, doctors really couldn't you know, give an answer as to why, but he just was not able to get out of his wheelchair. And he was – frankly, he was – it became his biggest fear. Uh, his biggest fear became trying to walk again. So they took him to physical therapists. Uh, they took him to a lot of different professionals. No one could get Brandon to even try to stand up out of his wheelchair to walk. No one could do it. His parents couldn't do it. The therapist couldn't do it. No one could do it. And so when Brandon started working with us you know, uh, earlier this year, um, it, was, it was no different. Uh, Brandon was very scared. He was very nervous. Um, but w- what I did for Brandon is the same thing that people did for me, which ultimately helped me start this company. Um, and, and, and that's basically the, the power of belief. And so people believed in me a- enough to where I could start this company that had never been done before. And what I did for Brandon was I believed in him to the point where he was able to walk for the first time in eight years. Um, And one of the ways we did that, uh, and this is a part of our training, but there are are very, very technical ways that you can regress certain things. So, you know, if we wanted to get Brandon to stand up and maybe he wasn't able to stand up right away, what we're able to do is regress the movement to the most basic pattern. And by doing that, we are able to build his confidence very slowly. And so over the course of several months – You know, he got to the point where he was standing and making very, very small steps by himself, something that he had had never done since the surgery. And then you saw the viral video um, that that has that was the result of a lot of training that we did over the course of about three to four months. We did a lot of corrective exercise and that was just a spontaneous. Hey, let's go try it outside. Let's see what happens. Um, And sure enough, he got out of that chair and he walked uh, to my surprise and to everybody else.
1: Like it, it, it I, I, I'm, I know why there was that many hits because I watched it again and then I probably watched it again and then I, you know, brought my daughters over and said, you know, check this out. This is this is amazing determination and and believing in in the ability to do something. There was also be, because I've seen the video. There, there's not only a physical challenge for Brandon, but there's also. Um, emotional, or there was an autistic, there's uh, definitely a spectrum on the autism side. So I remember him saying, you know, I wasn't, I wanted to be able to go out on a date with a girl, right? There was, there was this, I want to be able to take a girl out on a date, and she's not going to want to go with me unless I'm, I'm up and walking. It's, it, it's really special that there's still a desire. There's still a need for them to feel that they can be out and contributing in society and taking part. And I think a lot of that is what you feel. And probably from so many parents saying, I know that my child is capable of so much more. We just need to find the right way to get to them.
0: Absolutely. That's so true. And, you know, that, that, that desire is still very much in Brandon, by the way, <laughs> to, uh, to have a girlfriend. And according to Brandon now, he, he actually does have a date. I don't really know the details, but that's what he's told me. Um, and that's, uh, that's after he started walking again. But, you know, it's interesting because um, something that Brandon would always say in the gym to me, and we had to work through this, but um, anytime we would start a new exercise or we would try anything new, the first thing he would always say, he would say, I can't do that. That's the first thing he would always say. Another thing that he would say is he'd look at me and and he'd say, and it would break my heart when he would say this. He he would look at me and and he'd say, Daniel, I'll never walk like you do. Those are the things that he would say to me. And you could just see the desire in his heart that he wanted to be able to walk normally like I did, but he truly believed inside that he just couldn't do it. And you know, one of the powerful... Things about changing the way you think is just, you know, the, the impact that it can have in so many areas of your life. And so between Brandon and I, we established very quickly from the very beginning, as long as you're working out with me and you're in the session with me, there are certain words that you will not use. And one of those words is can't. And we're just going to eliminate that from your vocabulary. And I'm going to ask him to pretend like it was a bad word that he would never say to his parents. And so he responded really well to that, that feedback And he stopped saying it uh, to the point when we we got to a new exercise. He just went ahead and got on there and and did his thing. So, all of that resulted in him being able to do what he thought he would never be able to do. And the reason he believed he would never be able to do those things is because, you know, people told him that he had a disability and, you know, he, he just believed a lot of lies. And so, we came in and what we did and this is uh, uh, this is actually my personal personal mission statement but all I do is is I just come in and I just find ways to unlock potential and I want to unlock potential and I want to inspire and that's exactly what I did for Brandon is I I saw his potential from the very beginning when we went through our initial assessment I knew without any question he was going to walk again as a matter of fact I I was already starting to visualize him mm. walking before he ever took a step out of that wheelchair. And, and so through doing that, um, I, I started to project what I saw in that vision of him walking. And I started to act as if he could almost in some ways already walk, you know? And so I started to train him in ways as if he could already walk and he didn't have those limitations. And ultimately that's what unlocked his potential to do what he did.
1: The thing is, is that everything you've just mentioned now, Applies to every single able-bodied, capable person in this world that is constantly saying to themselves, "I can't," or "I can't see that it's going to happen." This will never be something for me. So it's amazing how it transfers into every person's life. Can I ask you? I mean, I know that you're passionate about this and physical, you know, activity was something that's part of your life. But how did you get into this line of work and knowing that you were going to be a trainer but to opt and to choose to work with this community of people?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, it starts from a a really early age. So when I was four years old, you know, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. And so um, I had a really, really hard time in school. I had a lot of behavior challenges. And one of the best things that my parents did for me was they got me involved in sports. And so I started playing football, Started playing basketball, soccer, and there is a clear correlation um, between when I when I had that outlet, you know, basketball, soccer, whatever it was. Whenever I had that outlet and I participated in sports, you know, my behavior significantly improved. And not only did my behavior improve, but my focusing uh, got so much better. My ability to learn got so much better. Uh, everybody noticed, teachers noticed, my parents noticed, I noticed. And so I stayed involved uh, in sports all throughout grade school, and when I got to high school, you know, I, uh, I mentioned I started playing football. You know, that's that's when the weightlifting came in, and I just fell in love with lifting weights. And eventually, my parents bought me, uh, you know, they bought me a uh, workout bench for the garage, and so now now I was getting to work out at home and at school. And so I just fell in love with it. And so. From an early age, um, really from, from from high school, I knew I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. And I, and I found out I could do it professionally by becoming a personal trainer. So I, I knew pretty early, like, hey, when I'm done with high school, I, this is exactly what I want to do. And I want to become a personal trainer. So, so I graduated high school. And um, the problem with becoming a trainer is you've got to do uh, – there's a lot of studying that you have to do. Most of it is self-study. And I mentioned that I had a learning disability, so I did not personally believe that I could do it. And so I didn't even try. So instead of pursuing a career in training, um, I, I landed a great job at the bank. And so I became a personal banker right out of high school, uh, working for a pretty big institution, Chase Bank. You've probably heard of Chase Bank. And so I was a, I was a banker there. And um, in the meantime, I had this passion that I never really pursued because I was scared. Uh, I didn't want to try and, you know, study and pay for it only to find out that I couldn't pass. So um, I I didn't do much with it at all. And then ultimately what happened was um, a mentor of mine at the time, his name was Rob. uh, Rob sat down with me one day. um, I actually remember the exact day. It was November 11th of 2011. Uh, It's kind of easy to remember because it's 11 11 11 on paper. So he sat down with me and he and he sat down with me, and I'll never forget it because I wrote it down in my journal. He said, Daniel, he said, he said, I felt like God gave me a vision for your life. And he said, the vision was, uh, what I saw in this vision was you were working with kids that had disabilities and you were training them in a fitness workout. That's what he told me. And I was completely like, I didn't know where that came from. I had never thought ever about working with anybody that had disabilities, yet alone becoming a trainer was already something I had a fear of. So um, I didn't really know what to do with that uh, because he was addressing my one of my a great fear of mine and then something that really didn't resonate with me at the time, which was working with special needs. So the next day, uh, I go to my mailbox and sure enough, uh, I open my mailbox and there was a personal trainer magazine that had been sent to my mailbox on accident. In other words, the recipient was someone else. It was a neighbor, but somehow it ended up in my mailbox. And so I, at that point, I thought, you know what, I, that, that really changed my belief system because I believe that that vision that, that what he said was from God must have been from God in the way that that magazine came and so that's when I started studying to become a trainer, when I got that magazine. And um, that was kind of what helped me push past that fear. And uh, I ended up getting certified and passing my first time, which is awesome. Didn't have to retake the test. I passed my first time. And I still had a job at the bank. I was doing really well at the bank. So now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a personal banker and I'm a certified personal trainer. So uh, I'm getting closer, you know, to f- fulfilling my, my calling. And then uh, one day in the bank – a couple – this couple came in. Um, one of them was in a – was it probably in their 40s or 50s, and the man was in a wheelchair, and then the wife was not. You know, She just she – was, she was ambulatory, and they, they needed to open up a business account. And so I, I was selected as their banker, and so I sat down with them, and they began to tell me about this nonprofit they wanted to open up, um, which was going to be Adapted Fitness for Special Needs. And I, I just stopped right there, and I said, hey, listen, guys. I said, I don't know who you are, and this is going to probably freak you out, but that's okay. I'm going to tell you anyway. I said, I need to tell you about a vision that my mentor gave me on November 11th, 2011, because it's, it's exactly what you're doing right now. So I shared the vision with them, and they 100% bought in. They got excited, and they said, we're going to get you your first client with special needs. <laughs> um, and so I opened their business account, and sure enough, uh, a couple months later, um, they sent me a client. His name was Dakota, and Dakota was about 21, and um, he had uh, survived a drug overdose, but he was a paraplegic. So he was my first client that I actually got to work with with special needs. And um, I was still working at the bank at the time, and but I, I was kind of on the side. I was trying to build up um, some opportunities to, to to work with individuals. And I loved it. I fell in love with working with Dakota. And I knew I knew that vision that my mentor gave me. I knew that that was something I had to pursue full-time. I, I couldn't just – I couldn't keep playing games and working full-time at the bank and five or ten hours uh, a week working at, with clients at the gym. That just wasn't enough for me. So uh, I made the career change and um, eventually ended up um, going to work full-time for uh, a large gym. And uh, that was the start of how I got involved with um, – starting my business. And so, um, I worked for a large gym for about a year. And, uh, within that year I became, um, one of the top 50 trainers for the company. And so there were, at the time there were 3,700 trainers. And so I became top 50 just in terms of revenue and sales and the re- i was just motivated it wasn't that i was just great at what i did i was honestly just so motivated to pursue my calling and my vision and i also knew that i i knew what it was going to have to i was going to have to do to get there i was going to have to be the best of the best and i was also going to have to have some money if i was going to quit this place and start a company so i was motivated <laughs> so um, after a year being a top 50 trainer i had a little bit of money not a lot but a little and uh, I quit and um, started Special Strong, and I've never looked back. No Plan B.
1: <clears throat> I'm in awe of the story. The universe works in mysterious ways, doesn't it? It's uh, yes. sometimes you just have to open your eyes and let things in, and to have the mentor and the magazine and the people walking in to the bank. I mean, it, it, it's it's all in alignment with where you were supposed to be. What was it like, though? I mean, your first client is a paraplegic. I, where do you even start? Like what, what are you looking to be able to offer them?
0: Yeah. So, um, training that first client, he was my, he was around my age. So, um, it was really helpful to be able to relate to him in so many ways. Um, and, and a part of my story that I didn't share, but, um, many years ago, uh, about, about 10 years ago, actually, um, I also had a drug overdose. Um, And so thankfully, you know, I did not end up in a wheelchair like Dakota, but I was able to really connect with Dakota because, um, I was, I could have easily been in his position where I was in a wheelchair just like he was. So all that to say is that it took away all the fear and anxiety of really not exactly knowing what I was doing because I didn't really have any, at that point, I didn't have advanced training like I do now. So a lot of it was just trial and error. And I did as much research as I could on the internet and normally the internet is awesome like if you don't know something you can become an expert in a day just reading on google and you can sound like you know everything but when it comes to a niche area like this Mm -hmm. not out there and so i really struggled to find content out there like you can't go to google and type in workout for paraplegic like you're not going to really find a whole lot of stuff for that so um i was just really um in a way I was kind of forced to be creative and do things that I had never thought of and never tried before. And, um, you know, we had a very successful, uh, we worked out together for about a year and it was a huge success. He gained a lot of independence in his legs. Uh, a lot of the spasticity in him as well, um, was reduced. And so it was a great experience for him um, but again, it was also—it was again—it it was scary because I really didn't know my—I uh, wasn't—I wasn't what I considered an expert by any means in working with someone like that, like Dakota. Um, so it was very challenging, very challenging.
1: The thing was, is you went through trial and error and you figured things out over the course of the years, because even going on your website and looking at some of the blog posts and some of the articles, you really have narrowed it down to, you know, top exercises, um, you know, for with issues with mobility or how to be able to work out with a child who has, you know, for aggression or ADD or like there was a number of things that you went through as to how, you were going to manipulate or have the physical outfit for different needs. And especially as I look through the list of people that you work with, you've got to be able to maneuver your way differently around them, right? So were you creating exercises or working with equipment so that you could adapt it to be able to work with people who are in wheelchairs who don't have the stability or, you know, have, I guess, have the physical disability, the physical challenges?
0: Yeah, so um it basically it was exactly what you said and what we were what I was learning to do was I was learning to do to adapt fitness and adapt, you know, regular gym equipment to work with someone who was a wheelchair user um or you know, take someone with autism, you know, someone with autism most likely is ambulatory meaning they can walk. So, um when it comes to adapting a workout for someone that has autism, you know, they can use standard equipment. Like they can they can jump on a, you know, on a chest press machine or an overhead press machine, very simple, very easy to use, not much not much complexity involved there. But what it came down to was was really learning uh how to communicate with them because you may be able to sit them down on a chest press machine and you may be able to, you know, show them to push your arms forward, to push the weight but they may not have any motivation and they may not understand that when you tell them that. So what you'd have to what I've had to learn to do and a lot of this has come from um, we've hired some incredible experts in behavior therapy as an example. But we use these different behavior therapy techniques and we're able to learn to motivate these clients who aren't motivated. And then as a result, they can use standard equipment and it works end up, end up ends up working really well for them. But the key is knowing how to get them to do it. And that's and that's where there's a really gray area. And that's why so many of our clients who have tried mainstream gyms um, haven't had real good experiences, not because they don't have good equipment or anything like that, but the trainers just don't know how to communicate to the clients in a way where they're going to get the most benefit for that client. Uh, and then when it comes to safety, there's a ton of safety stuff um, things that you would never think of uh, if you're working with a neurotypical you're you're never going to think of certain safety protocols that you would not have to do for them that you would have to do with someone that has say autism or or paraplegic. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and thankfully, there are there are some certifications out there that I was able to learn some of those safety techniques, but a lot of the adapting um, has really come from trial and error. And that's that's why we created our certification course, is because there's nothing else out there like it. And now everything that we've learned and we've tested on a thousand clients, zero injuries. That is we and that's documented. We've had zero injuries with over a thousand clients. If you know if you know any gym setting, that's very unusual, very unusual. Um, And so we've had zero injuries and we finally just put our curriculum out there, not only for trainers, but we wanted to educate parents, educators, professionals, therapists. Because this can be used in so many different settings and you don't have to be an expert on health, on fitness, even if you don't have fitness experience. You know, we, our course kind of takes you from the very beginning, very basic all the way to the end to become someone who's well versed enough to add a fitness component to anyone's life with special needs.
1: So Daniel, you mentioned things that you hadn't thought about or safety measures what Can you give us a couple of examples of, of places that we likely wouldn't have thought about danger normally, but these were things that you had to consider when you had people in the facility?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one thing that I'll think about that comes to mind is, um, is like using dumbbells as an example. Okay, so um, using dumbbells is incredibly common uh, when you're working out. And so when it comes to the special needs population – Uh, using dumbbells is something that is very challenging, uh, especially when it comes to knowing how to spot. So if you're spotting someone, uh, let's say you're working one-on-one with a client or you're just working out, uh, normally when you spot someone, a lot of times people will spot from the elbows and that's very common. So if the weight's kind of heavy and they need a little bit of support, you take their hands or you take your Mm -hmm. hands and you put it on their elbows to kind of push up the weights a little bit. I see that all the time. So that, that works really well with neurotypical mainstream population. If you were to do that for someone that has autism or Down syndrome or CP or whatever, it's a huge contraindication because what what people may not know is that someone with CP, their wrist could actually collapse and cave in and that, that dumbbell would come flying in their face. That's one example. Someone with autism, another example, Um, You know, kids and and, and sometimes even adults with autism are notorious for just um, letting go of things. I mean, to this day, I'll be working out with a client and they'll just completely let go of the machine right in the middle of the set. Um, And it makes a very loud noise. Okay, and they don't do it on purpose, but they maybe they get distracted or something. And if they were using a dumbbell and they were to lose grip or let go of the dumbbell, it's going to go right right in their face. And again, you wouldn't think about that kind of thing uh, working with the mainstream population because it's, it's not something that you really ever see, but it would be something that you see working with the special needs population. You know, another thing is, let's just say stretching, okay? So um, if your hamstrings are tight, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, you, I mean if, if, let me ask you this question. If your hamstrings were mm-hmm. tight right now, what would you do?
1: I'd sit down on the floor and, and stretch them out.
0: Absolutely, that's and that's and, and you and you would want to do that. That's a great thing to do. So, what happens if you're you have CP and um, your hamstrings are spastic? You know, w- would you do the same thing? Especially when you're with a trainer, there's something called you know um, passive stretching where you're actually helping put the client through the stretch. Through the range of motion for them so let's say i was working out mm-hmm. with you and maybe i needed uh, maybe your hamstrings were tight and you needed more range of motion okay so one of the things that i would do for you as a trainer is i would get you on the ground put you in a supine position and i would actually push your hamstring all the way towards your face until it hopefully gets vertical to the ceiling if you're able to do that motion okay that's a very common thing it's it's actually a great way to increase flexibility if you were to do that with someone with spasticity like someone that has cp or another condition like a paraplegic um that could potentially um completely um you know cut off something in their in their hamstring I and mean, they could actually tear their hamstrings incredibly easy if you were to push them past that spasticity but again it's same principle. You're trying to push them past a certain point to get more range of motion. Same thing you do with a mainstream, but you can't do the same thing with someone that has, say, CP because again, they could end up um, breaking that hamstring. Uh, last example is, um, you know, Down syndrome. You know, and I don't remember the percentage. I want to say it's a small percent maybe five or 10% uh, of people that have Down syndrome, they have a, a vertebrae um, that is, is—it's uh, believe it's in the cervical spine. And um, th- that vertebrae basically is, is protruding. And so um, for anyone that has that condition uh, with Down syndrome, if they were to aggravate that specific vertebrae doing a movement, um, that could potentially um, you know, really hurt their spine and cause permanent damage. Okay. So, a normal movement like a crunch or sit up. Okay. Those are great exercises, but again, someone that has down syndrome, you may not want to do that exercise with them because if there is, if it is that what that five or 10% person who has that condition, you've just done permanent damage to them because you try to put them through a normal sit up or a normal, you know, whatever that somebody else would normally be able to do. So there's, I mean, there's a list mm-hmm. of so many different uh, things that are kind of like that. Um, that could happen, that, that you would normally do just perfectly fine at the mainstream population, but you have to adapt.
1: My question, I think now is, you have a child with Down syndrome, are you still encouraging, like, there's still the benefit of having them be physically active and doing things? So do you find often that parents are, kind of on the fence? Well, do we even want them participating in physical activity if there's a chance of of injury? And yet physical activity is probably a wonderful outlet and and health benefits. So where's the, do you have the argument or do you have these discussions with parents and people wanting to get involved as to the, the pros and the cons?
0: Yeah. So believe it or not, the, um, the biggest, um, the biggest objection that we get for people trying out our services, is um, has nothing to do with safety. Um, I, as a matter of fact, it's it's actually very rare to get the objection or concern of safety, unless someone has a pretty rare condition um, that then they're very fragile. Then we may get a concerned parent about safety, which is a, which is a valid concern. But you know, you look at like autism, Down syndrome, things like that, which are a big b- big percentage of who we work with. There's really there's not a ton of safety concerns. So the parents, believe it or not. More than anything, it's not that they're concerned for their child uh, as far as them being able to uh, safely work out. What they're actually – the problem that we actually see – and I'm not – again, my heart here is to not be negative about parents because I think that they have their their kids' best interest in mind. But most parents don't believe their kids can do it. Let me just get right to the – just cut it straight. Most parents have very little belief in their own kids that they could ever do something, and that's not their fault. The parents have kind of been trained to do that because of past experiences that they've had with other service providers. So it's very understandable for them to think, here's another company offering a different service. My kid you know, didn't have a great experience at this last service. What's going to be different about this service? Okay. Just to give you one example, I have 100 examples like this. I'm working with a client now. I've been with him for a year. And he's a, he's um, he's 12 years old. In his entire life, he's never done anything over six months. Three months is probably – as a matter of fact, I, I don't want to get the, the, the numbers wrong, but it's either three or six months. The bottom line is he starts something, and then within a few months he quits. I mean it's it's happened his whole life. He's been with us for a year, and I was recently talking to his mom, and his mom said – His mom said, Daniel, we just can't thank you enough because our son has never done anything like this and actually stuck with it. And again, if parents would just give us a try, which is why actually we offer a free seven-day pass, we want people to try it out for themselves and see how their kids respond. But once people do that, we have a very – we have about an 80% to be exact. We have about an 80% success rate. In other words, for every 10 people that come through the door, eight of them are going to have a great experience. They're going to have a free session and they're going to want to come back. Two out of those 10 people are not going to have a good experience for whatever reason. And they are not going to want to come back. Um, but those eight, those eight are going to come back and they are probably really excited to come back. Uh, most most clients after the first session are begging their parents to come back to the gym. And we see that all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really incredible. Um, something that as a society, we tend to look at exercise as a chore, as a task, as something that we dread. But we can learn a lot from the special needs population who quickly figure out that it's, it can be fun. Exercise mm-hmm. can be fun, especially when you know the benefits and you feel the benefits it can be really fun and and those are t- and really the the people that successfully actually do work out consistently long-term and they make it a lifestyle they found a way to make it fun that is the, that's the secret to uh building r- really uh, many habits that applies to you. but when it comes to building the exercise habit lifestyle if you can make it fun and find a way to enjoy it you'll come back and do it again and that's what and that's what we do for our clients
1: I think it's it's wonderful to see the longevity and that this is something that the kids look forward to being able to do. When I was looking at the website too, I was looking at aggress- aggression, right? You have kids who can be incredibly aggressive, uh, dealing with ADD, a certain, certain violent behavior, and how to be able to have that physical outlet of releasing, I think for them, frustration, anger, you, you know, probably can't find the other words for it, but you have created exercises or tips on dealing with this and exercises that actually help benefit and change behavioral patterns.
0: No, that's exactly right. And, you know, when it comes to um, a lot of the conditions that we work with, most of them are stuck in a very stressful state. Um, we we call it fight or flight. So they're stuck in this constant fight or flight state. You know, You know that feeling that you get if you're about to go, do public speaking, you know, the, 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 the butterflies in your stomach. Okay. Those feelings are pretty much very normal for someone maybe with autism. As an example, they are constantly stuck there because of how they're wired. So again, they're in a constant state of stress. And so what's amazing about exercise is that exercise is actually really stressful. Um, if, you, if you don't believe that, then you've never worked out. Okay, But exercise is, is, is physically very stressful on the body. And even emotionally, it's very stressful. But here's a big difference, um, and here's how it helps our clients so much, is that they come into an environment and they are learning about how to they're, – they're in a controlled, stressful environment. In other words, they're, they are the actual ones – who are causing the stress for themselves instead of an external stimulus like a siren or some or a loud noise that they can't control they're now in an environment where they have full control over the stress and what that actually does from a brain standpoint is when the when the body learns and when the brain learns that it can control stress in an environment like that it starts to translate outside of the gym you know, clients uh, who who normally have had meltdowns and behavior challenges, they're starting to learn how to self-regulate because of their their bodies are adapting. Their bodies are ad- adapting from what's happening in the gym, and it's translating outside of the gym. I mean, we've we've had clients that could not go into public restaurants their whole life. They work with us. They come into a public gym. Suddenly, they're able to go to public restaurants. OK, well, we, let me tell you something. We did not train them in our training sessions. We didn't go to a restaurant and say, hey, let's go see if we can get you in the restaurant and make you, you know, comfortable. OK, we didn't do that. That wasn't a part of our program. But they actually learned in the gym how to control their stress. And then that ended up translating to when they went out in public, you know, they were able to control themselves. And, and in one case, it allowed someone to celebrate their marriage anniversary with their son how awesome is that? For the first time in their life, they got to celebrate their marriage anniversary with their son and bring him to a public restaurant because of what he's learned as far as how to adapt in the gym. And, um, you know, for other clients, you know, we've, we've had other clients that um, they, they get so severely um, upset. You know, they've got to put football helmets on these kids, and that's all they can do. So they'll put the football helmet on them. And these kids will just go find a wall and just hit their head on the wall with a football helmet. And if they didn't have the football helmet, they'd be hitting the, their their head on the wall without a football helmet. So that's why they put the helmet on. But we've seen things like that, and we've seen a, an incredible amount of reduction in those meltdown episodes. We call them meltdowns, when, when things just kind of lock down in the brain and they just go um, – they just have a meltdown. That's what they're called. And so we've seen an incredible reduction – in those, and even in myself, you know, 2012, I was diagnosed with um, bipolar, and so I didn't, I, I didn't even know what a meltdown was at that point. But I started learning about these different highs and these different lows. And myself personally, I'm, I'm actually been able to use exercise the same way my clients do, which is I'm able to control that stress in the gym, and it translates to the outside world, uh, being able to control stressors out there. So it's truly amazing um, just the power of exercise. You know, we, thankfully we've had some um, – we actually – when we started the company, we hired a brain integration expert. And so a lot of the exercises we do um, are very specific for the brain. So uh, an example of that may be like what's called a crossover where the client has to cross over their midline. And what that does is they're using both the left and right side of their brain. And so that does incredible things for balancing the brain. So um, uh, there's actually a great franchise out there uh, called Brain Balance, phenomenal company. And they actually use some of these brain techniques in their center. We, We actually use some of the same techniques they do, except we combine it with exercise, which, I mean, I don't have a percentage, but when you have the increased blood flow and the increased oxygen to the brain, everything becomes more effective. So we have a real big advantage to be able to get a client physically active and then combine those with very specialized targeted brain exercises, and we see amazing things. Uh, personally, I believe that's why we've had so many clients um, go their entire life. You know, 20, I had a client who was 25 years old, never had a job in his life, Down syndrome, and worked at our program for about a year, year and a half, and then uh, was able to get his first job ever his whole life. And I truly believe that's because his brain was re- was a- was actually repaired. You know, I, I wish I had, um, I wish we had millions of dollars and we <laughs> could buy brain brain scanning technology. And I would love to be able to just take before images of before they started with us of the brain, and then the after images because we can take before and after pictures of their body, and we've got cr- we've got some amazing pictures of that, of the weight loss and the muscle gain. But their brains, what's happening in their brains, which we can't see physically. I, I guarantee, if we saw it on a brain scan, it would be. It, we, everybody would probably just mm. would, would immediately see more of the value in exercise, not just the physical value, but the the value for the brain, especially when there's brain abnormalities or deficiencies that we're we're talking about.
1: I think it's amazing. I think I'm. I think people truly believe in what you're saying and know that there is research and that when you see the before and the after and the behavioral changes and the physical changes, that there there's something that's really working. And I think that's probably why it resonated so much when you had 150 million people watching these videos It's that you believe in what is, What is what people are capable of. The the difference is, and I know you've had, as you mentioned, like hundreds, thousands of emails from people around the world now going, okay, I saw what you did with Brendan. How how is this going to happen? How are we going to be able to figure this out at home? You're based out of Texas. People can't afford to be able to do that. And yet I'm hoping that there's listeners right now who have family members, who have friends, who know people who are suffering, to say there's going to be a way that we can get the right information to you. And so I know through the certification program, how are you finding the right trainers. I think that's the question right there. People might want this information, but it takes the right kind of person, a person like you with this passion, with this calling to work with special needs. But how do you find the right people that you know are going to have the benefit to help those with special needs, the personalities that are going to match?
0: Yeah, I would say that for our company, Special Strong, that's probably one of our greatest challenges is uh, is finding the right trainer. Statistically, you know, we only hire about one person for every hundred or fifty to hundred applications that we get. I mean, because we get we get a lot of applications. Um, we we do. We our pay is a little bit on the higher side, so we do pay a little bit higher than what the standard industry pays. So we're already getting a lot of people applying because they see we're paying better, okay? So we've got to vet out all of those people. And so um, the biggest way that we've been able to successfully vet trainers and find good trainers is, number one, um, of course, we use the internet when it comes to uh, job, finding people and finding candidates. We do use the internet we use some really good job hunting websites. But when it comes down to the interview and vetting them, um, we ask, uh, we, we basically focus on uh, four specific areas, and uh, they all start with the letter C. So we look for uh, character, and then we look for competency, we look for culture, and we look for chemistry. So those are the four areas that we're looking for. Um, and so we ask questions in all four of those areas. We want to make sure, you know, chemistry. Here's the thing. If I'm not feeling it with this person, I definitely don't want to be working with this person, okay? Because, uh, I mean, it's it's me that's got to work with them. It's me that's got to train them. So I better have some chemistry with them. And I want to make sure that they also have chemistry with our team.
1: Let me just ask you. So is this – so you'll have – so someone who's in Toronto or New York or Chicago or Vancouver, you're working with individuals individually as you're doing – the certification program, or is this are you just talking for those that are working for you in Texas, or is this really how you're viewing people around the world?
0: That's a great question. So, so right now, the, the way that I answered that was this is that vetting process is simply just for our trainers who work for our company, Special Strong, in Texas. Now, when it comes to our certification program. You know, it's um, it's really not our job to vet um, as far as who takes our certification. Our certification is an educational certification. So technically, literally anybody in the world could take our certification. Now, as far as how they use the certification, you know, that is that is that's going to be, you know, let's say they went and applied for a gym uh, and they wanted to work for a gym. It's really up to the gym to do the vetting process and kind of the way we do it for our company, they've got to do their own vetting process um for the trainers. So um now when we, we're talking about franchising, now when we franchise, uh, we will be doing a vetting process also for the people that we hire and buy into our franchise. We'll, we'll be doing this very similar vetting process that we do with our company, Special Strong, that we do with the, fran- the franchisees. But again, the certification program, there's no need to do that vetting process. That's completely up to, um, you know, if we do list them on our website, you know, if the parent finds them on the website and says, hey, I see that you're in Massachusetts, you're a certified strong trainer, uh, I'd like to hire you. That's up to the trainer or the mom or the parent to do their own research to determine if they want to hire that person.
1: Right. But you have, the- the ability for those, I think, that are inspired by listening to something like this or who are in the field who want to be able to learn more because you've had to do all the research and to find out what exercises work best, how to adapt for a certain uh, physical challenge, how to adapt for certain emotional challenges. All of that information has been put into these programs to better assist, I'm hoping, the good people who are coming to you for that certification to learn more, to better help the individuals in their area. I, I, I have a feeling those that are coming to you already are those types of individuals. If they're looking to be able to get special strong and the strong Certification, there's already something quite giving in their personalities to want to work with special needs and get this information.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, one of the things um, when we certify someone, one of the things that we find out is what they plan on doing with the course and how they plan on using it. And uh, I love the responses that we're getting. I mean, I just had somebody get certified a few days ago and um his mom has a disability and he wants to you know he's inspired from his mom and he wants to you know get certified to, to basically help people like his mom and we get a lot of people like that we thankfully it's it's the quality of people that we're getting are very very high even though there's no vetting process for the certification they are high quality candidates i mean We've had parents uh, with kids that have autism. They wanna they wanna start something in their community. Maybe they, maybe they're not certified as a trainer. That's okay. You don't have to be a certified trainer to necessarily start a group class for the community. So we've had a, we've had several parents do that. We've had educators in the school system wanting to add a uh, adding add our program to their existing curriculum. Um, frankly, the school systems are probably the worst when it comes to recreational activities for, for the, for special needs. And, um, I've, I i can not tell you how many stories I've heard. Um, you know, I had one person say, one, one of our group classes was better than three months worth of adapted PE in their school system. OK, this is in the DFW area, no, no, no names, but um, that's that's a, that's, a, that's a problem. And again, it's an underserved population. You know, it, it's not very profitable for a lot of people. So they just say, oh, well, just fit them in somewhere and do something with them. And that's a problem that we also want to fix. That's why we have this certification program is educators. They can come in and they can completely revamp what's being done in the school. We have several therapy centers uh, that offer occupational therapy, physical therapy, that have actually hired our company to come in and perform services for their therapy clients. And it is working phenomenally. Um, We're having very, very good success with that. So we want to empower other people to do the same thing.
1: I think that's the best part about this and and I think you'll have parents right now who are saying okay let's let's look at this let's look at the information being provided let's take it to our community I know here in our city we have autism Ottawa who are constantly trying to put on physical activities and leagues for children with uh, with autism. And so if they have additional tools that they're able to, to implement, it's really helping everyone at the same time. And I think people can be inspired. The last video, I think I saw of Brandon, who started this but, whole discussion, I think he was back in the gym, and he was doing like back rows, right? Like, it's, it's <laughs> he, you know, it's from one thing, it's a, it's a domino effect, you're able to get through that one goal, and I think the rest of it is is an endless possibility. And I'm I'm assuming that's what you've enjoyed most about what has happened with Special Strong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of, I have to t- uh, tag on Brandon real quick. I was just working out with him uh, yesterday, actually, um, or, or the day before. <laughs> so funny. You know, I mentioned earlier in this in our in our our interview here um, how he used to say. Daniel, I'll never be able to walk like you. I I mentioned that earlier. And it's funny because now, now what he's saying, like he actually came up to me the other day and he said, Daniel, can I run now? Like that's what those are the his mind has changed so much now. His belief has changed where it went from, you know, Daniel, I'm never going to walk like you to Daniel, when am I, when are you going to let me run? (laughs) And it's just really cool to see that, um, just to see that natural transformation.
1: It's, it's wonderful to be able to see. I know there's a, and reading up about you, I know there's a big faith aspect. I know there's church and family, and that this has become um, part of your legacy. I think in being able to help these families, and I and I really hope that this program will spread itself across the world. That there's uh, information that's out there, and that we can help change these lives. And I think it's very. Um, I'm. It's very giving that not only were you keeping the business in Texas for your community, but to be able to share the information to people who want it. And so, where can people go for more information? Where would you want them to start the research or to start the the path of okay, this is where I want to go?
0: Yeah, I think the best place to start is um, check out you know specialstrong dot com. That's uh, we've got so many great articles, free content, you know, free exercise videos, um, things that'll just empower really anyone just at home to start doing things and you know you can easily access our certification program uh, through specialstrong.com we've got it's very visible when you go to the home page there's a uh, get certified button and so if you click on that you can go to our certification page and uh, it tells you all about our certification program how to get certified um, and everything like that on there we've got a promotion on that right now for 25% off That's mm-hmm. uh, we've got a coupon for that on there so, but yeah, that website is going to be your best bet. Um, you know, and then for people who are skeptical, which I can, I can relate to, I can be skeptical for things that I've maybe never tried before. Um, I, I always just point people back to, you know, just go read reviews. We've got, um, we've got a, uh, we've got about, uh, 10 different video testimonials, Fox four, uh, videos of clients and parents that have interviewed and just shared their experience about our company. And then collectively, I think we have about 300 five-star reviews as well. And so um, that's between Google and Facebook. So those are always good places to start. Maybe if someone's a little skeptical about either the service or the certification, uh, the reviews, I think, really speak for themselves. Those are all unbiased reviews, people just willingly wanting to leave them out there for other people to see. And so that would be my recommendation on where to start.
1: Well, when you're changing lives and people are looking for change and inspiration, it's the perfect place to start. I started with watching the video Brandon as did 150 million other people who watched the video so congratulations I know that it's uh sometimes it takes just one video one child and their story to be able to acknowledge that there are hundreds of thousands of stories very similar just trying to be able to find the outlet and what's going to be able to work for them. So really appreciate the work that you're doing. I will have all the links so that people can find the information for the company, for the certification, and for the information. Because honestly, even as a parent and knowing and having family friends that have children with special needs, the information that you offer in the blogs and in the writing, they can take something right from the website. They can take something from there and make a quick change and maybe get a punching bag or maybe get a slam ball and use that in the house or use those for, you know, for physical activity, and you've got some great suggestions in there. So, Daniel, it was a pleasure to meet you. Congratulations once again, and uh, keep me updated on on Brandon. I want to know when that first date uh, that first date ends up coming around for him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I sure will. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm very grateful.
1: Thank you so much, and for everyone who's listening, thanks so much for listening to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, and please continue to like and share, subscribe, and comment, and help to uh, get these stories, the information. Uh, and these people out to the world. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Cundell, and everyone at my company, the SoundOff Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, network. Or check out
1: the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.